0: E aqui
1: The show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. So, this week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be hearing from outspoken commentator Peter Cohen. A little bit later on the show, we'll have an encore presentation featuring Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. We've got all this and more. Stay tuned to the Tech Night Owl Live. Peter Cohen. So in this settlement between Apple and Qualcomm, would you say it's fair to conclude that Apple capitulated?
2: Yeah, I guess see, Apple did capitulate, but um, to the end of wanting to make quality products for its customers. Yeah, I guess Apple did capitulate, um, but it, in in all honesty, it, it, it didn't really have a good option here it it needed to do uh, what it did because quite frankly all the the parts aren't in place for it to uh, to do it on its own otherwise
1: the key being here that Intel which Apple had relied on to come up with a 5g modem chip was not able to do it or at least do it in time yeah
2: I mean looking that's exactly right, Gene. You know, looking at the big picture here, um, Apple needs to position um, its products for 5G, which is coming down the pipeline. Uh, Intel, which, um, you know, Apple had been working with um, for uh, the radio technology inside of, um, uh, of iPhones, uh, was not prepared to offer. Uh, the solution that Apple needed. Apple isn't ready to roll out its own silicon yet, although many in the industry consider it inevitable that it will eventually. Um, and Qualcomm, you know, they, the Apple can't go with a with a with a Chinese vendor for for five five G stuff like, let's say, Huawei, for example, uh, because um, of potential regulatory issues involving the Feds. Um, So, yeah, Apple uh, was kind of caught between a rock and a hard place here in a number of different ways and really didn't have a lot of good options open to it. So settling with Qualcomm was the, the prudent thing for Apple to do for sure.
1: And Qualcomm certainly knows this is going to be temporary. But selling 200 million chips a year to a customer, single customer, that's not a bad deal.
2: Yeah, I you know, they they're um uh going to to be happy for the business for sure. Um and I, I think that you know, I, I share the view of of some others in the in the business who who feel like this has been an area of technology that Apple's been working at a deficit from for a little while now. So it'll be nice to see you know, at least in Qualcomm's case, um Apple able to compete with um aren't state-of-the-art when it comes to connectivity for phones. You know, it's, it, 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 so, so this is, I think, a net good thing for Apple customers. Absolutely.
1: And certainly Apple has better things to do than to have to deal with sourcing a modem, and they have to be competitive with 5G. It probably won't matter this fall. There aren't going to be enough of those things around. But by 2020, they will certainly have to deal with it
2: exactly and you know it's it's really interesting because um, Samsung of course has has made a a, uh, a bold play with with 5g connectivity in its phones and um, at and has even rebadged some of its spectrum as 5 GE um, although uh, it's it's laughable um, what, what they're what they're talking about right now but um, it's 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 very important to understand that 5G is not a today problem and not really even a tomorrow problem. It's a next year problem or it's a two years away for uh, problem? This is a major infrastructure shift um, that's going to require a lot of investment um, that is requiring a lot of investment. First of all, from telecom carriers and the entire telecom industry, because, uh, you know, telecom carriers don't own all their own towers. There's a lot of infrastructure companies uh, that do that. Um, They all need to upgrade uh, their equipment in order to get 5G working. 5G, you know, of course, uh, isn't just going to be supported on one or two phones. It's going to be supported on all phones. But this isn't a problem that we need to deal with in 2019 chances are your next phone, maybe even uh, the, the the upgrade after that, if you upgrade on an annual basis, that might be one where you, you need to worry about this stuff, not this one. We're always kind of working at a deficit, unfortunately, uh, between what um, the infrastructure companies like cell phone companies are doing and what phone makers like Apple are doing. And that's simply a function of uh, you know the end-to-end pipeline here for how these things are, are done. You know the, the the radio chips are made. You know they're tested with various uh, wavelengths and spectrum. They're they're tested on carrier networks. They're put into. Uh, uh, into production but all that process you know that takes time so uh, a lot of times when you see things like oh uh, you know is, does my phone support these new 600 megahertz bands that are coming online these new 700 megahertz bands that are coming online this new 5g stuff that i'm talking that, that i'm hearing about these are future problems at the time that they're announced. Um, it's something that you catch up in a year or two uh, once the, the the technology enabling those devices to work has been tested and vetted and put through its process. And that's still happening. That's still happening.
1: Then again, to the tens of millions of people who bought 4K television sets, how much 4K content is there? Some from Netflix, some from Amazon, some movies. but Your cable TV provider, probably not. Your satellite TV provider, maybe a little. So we can have a situation here where you have the 5G modems, but it may take a while for your city to be saturated with cell towers that support that technology.
2: Yeah, especially if you're not in a city. If you're living in, in, a, in a suburban area or an ex-urban area, as many of us do, um, you know, infrastructure issues are even more bleak than that. So uh, you know, bear in mind that, that, like I said, this is a future problem, not a today problem. I'm not saying that anybody needs to ignore or anybody should ignore it or that we shouldn't be mindful of it. But um, within the context of making hard decisions about how we're going to spend our money on consumer electronics this year or next – Probably isn't a real issue that we need to deal with right now. Mm. Having said that, obviously Apple needed to do what it needed to do because um, the five G is the future, and it's got to have a roadmap for doing that. And think of it this way: as you say, it's PR too. Even
1: if 99.9 percent of the customers
2: cannot take advantage of it, it's there. That's uh, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So anyway, that goes by the wayside. There you go with that. Reading lately that Apple and Samsung are still working together, even though the lawsuits are over and everything. So I guess there's more freedom there. Besides, the smartphone sales from Samsung are more or less tanking, especially in the high end. So they should be very, very happy to sell chips to Apple and OLED screens to Apple and that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Samsung, like many companies um, uh, are really around the world. Many global companies around the world um, uh, have their fingers in a lot of different pies. Um, And while they do compete with Apple in plenty of market segments. They also uh, are Apple suppliers and have been for a very long time and will remain so for a very long time. Um, and both companies seem very adept at sort of managing that relationship when it works to their benefit, you know, the, their, their cooperative relationship and, um, you know, their competitive relationship, too. And I, I think that um, uh, since both companies are positioned as, as premium smartphone makers, although, you know, clearly Apple has the upper hand when it comes to actually making money off those smartphones, um, uh, you know, but, uh, both companies kind of push each other to, to try new things. Uh, you know, Samsung has taken a lot of um, criticism in the tech uh, uh, blogosphere um, in recent days uh, because of its botched fold rollout. Uh, but the company took a, a chance with a very bold new product that nobody else had done before. And, um, you know, even, even though it may have fallen on its face, you've got to give the company credit for uh, for trying something.
1: you got to be a few people out there who want to spend two grand for a foldable smartphone. We have Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night out Live. <laughs>
4: That's 800-985-1610.
5: Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. ReadyToEatBacon.com.
1: Both my legs were amputated due to an IED. It's when you start to try to get back into, like, an everyday life. I absolutely felt like I lost some of my purpose. There must be something more. When DAV came into my life, they gave me a new mission. I could still be a productive member of society, could still support a family. The
8: DAV gave him that sense of structure and purpose again to get his life back together.
9: Visit
10: DAV.org to learn more about our mission.
1: Story came out of CNBC the other day. Apple spends more than $30 million on Amazon's cloud every month, making it one of the biggest customers of Amazon's cloud services. That's $360 million a year. That's a lot of money. So even though Apple is building out its own data centers, they still rely heavily on Amazon, who also makes some rival products.
2: Yeah, again, you know, and when Apple started using uh, Amazon Web Services, it was at a time where um, Apple's own cloud infrastructure, which was much less sophisticated and deployed and far ranging as it is now. I, I know that that Apple um, likes to remove external dependencies whenever it can. Uh, so I can't imagine that Apple is growing its Amazon Web Services footprint Dramatically, you know. Again, it makes sense cooperatively and competitively um, for for Apple to uh, you know have that flexibility. Certainly,
1: and probably you'll see an Apple TV app on Amazon Streamer. I think you're going to see it on the Roku. They were making a deal for that. So everybody's going to offer everybody else's services.
2: Yeah, there seems to be um, a lot of blurring um, of that. And uh, I, I think that that's a good thing. Uh, you know, that's certainly a trend that we saw starting at CES this year where Apple announced, hey, uh, or g- different companies announced, hey, you're going to be able to use Apple TV services on our products. And, you know, it's, it, Apple understands that services especially are a huge growing uh, part of its market. Um, the company has seen some, you know, some peak sales of cell phones, can't expect the continued growth um, in, in in hardware and hasn't seen the continued growth in hardware. Uh, so it needs to expand its offerings and make the services that it's um, offering its customers more appealing and make them want to spend more money on it. So uh, th- th- this is all very synergistic. So at this point, and
1: we're looking now at a month after Apple had their event And some people have told me I should not refer to it as a upfront presentation. It was more to convince Hollywood, look at the big names we've got. Don't you want to be among them?
2: Yeah, you know, in in uh, in modern parlance, Apple's uh, event was sort of a weird flex, but okay, it was not really directly aimed at consumers in any meaningful way, uh, because really what it amounted to was a series of coming soon announcements. And, you know, painting in very broad strokes, very high level stuff. This is what we're doing with Apple TV Plus. This is the future of entertainment, this is, you know, we're bringing some some high concept stuff here by bringing in big players like Oprah and uh, Steven Spielberg and these other luminaries um, who are going to be great storytelling. And there was a lot of talk about this, you know, a lot of talk about em- uh, empowering storytellers and, uh, you know, making the story the thing and so on. And that, that's all very good, uh, very high level, uh, very cerebral stuff. But uh, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, as the old expression goes. And, you know, this is this is a, a nothing um, sandwich for us so far. So when the new services launch, then we'll have something to talk about. But I, I agree with with that consensus about, you know, it it not really being very substantive. What concerned me a little bit are the
1: stories that Tim Cook is sending these little memos to producers to be more friendly I guess he doesn't want edgy content. He doesn't want grim content. You know, even Disney
2: has stuff that isn't just PG. Yeah, but Disney is also... um you know, God, it's it's tentacles and everything these days. So uh, let's let's not use Disney necessarily as as the litmus test for for how Apple should conduct itself as a media company. You know, we need to be careful when we're hearing things about the conversations at a high level that that Apple or that Tim Cook is having with media executives and how they're positioning this. We really don't know. You know, closer closer to my home anyway, because I've I've, as you know, Gene, written about games now for more than twenty years. Um, so it's an area of intense personal interest to me. The announcement about Apple Arcade was very significant. I think that um, there's a lot of opportunity here for Apple to bring a very meaningful uh, service. Uh, To market for people who like to play games but may not identify themselves as traditional gamers, you know, the hardcore gaming elite, Uh, you know, the people who spend money every month on, you know, the latest releases on Steam or GOG.com or wherever they're getting their games. You know, this is something aimed maybe a little bit more of a broad market uh, than than that. Again, Apple seeing services as a a growth area for it and having an opportunity here to put its imprint in this in a way that's very unique and uh, really exciting, I think, for a lot of consumers. But again, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. We really won't know how much substance and what sort of depth and breadth we're talking about until the service actually launches or until apple's ready to share more details some of that might come with wwdc but in all likelihood it's 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 going to get kicked down the uh the road a little bit until apple's ready to do do a general rollout and that's fine too of course the other thing is here apple has
1: to know obviously what the other companies are offering so how does apple differentiate itself because Oprah is involved, because J.J. Abrams and Steven Spielberg are involved, how are they going to make a difference?
2: Well, bringing the the conversation back to Apple Arcade for a second, I think that they're um, the, the Apple's making it itself or its authority known in, in a very significant way. In that it's not just encouraging. Um, third-party developers to support Apple Arcade. It's actually putting development money down and helping companies bring the products to this new marketplace that it's creating um, and doing it in a way that complies with what Apple wants. Because what Apple has told customers is you will pay one flat rate for this per month. You will not be uh, harassed for in-app purchases. There will be no more uh, expenses that you have to incur here. You, they have to create an entirely new ecosystem for these developers to make this worth their while, right? So this is a major investment, uh, I- I infrastructure investment for Apple, certainly. But Apple's already said, look, we're putting the development money, uh, or we're putting development money down on the table here. We're also putting marketing uh, money to, to to promote this effort. So Apple is it, it has skin in this game in a way that they haven't in like forever. They've let that business of selling games on the app Store, create itself on its own. It really didn't do anything to to provoke that or promote that. It was just you know a reaction to the marketplace. So this is the first time that I've seen Apple, and like I said, I've been reporting on Apple gaming stuff for more than 20 years now. This is the first time I've ever seen Apple actually put money down on the table to get this stuff developed bringing in big pe- big folks like Spielberg and Oprah that's obviously another another effort how much Apple is going to dictate actual content though we'll see and you know the fact of the matter is Apple needs to differentiate the content that it's going to have with Apple uh, TV plus compared to the plethora of options that folks have let's talk Amazon. about those options let's
1: talk about those options. And the possibilities in our next segment. More to come with Peter Cohen, Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night How Live.
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit gcnlive.com today.
11: USA Radio News
12: with Wendy King.
0: Police in California are questioning a young man who opened fire at a synagogue, killing one person and wounding three others. San Diego Sheriff Bill Gore.
13: John Ernest, date of birth, 6'899". He's 19 years old, and as far as we can tell, has had no prior contact with law enforcement. He
0: says the shooting may not be Ernest's only crime.
13: We're looking at the possibility of his involvement in the Moss burning in Escondido back a month ago. What ties him to that? Some of the digital evidence that we're reviewing right now.
0: President Trump had this.
10: America's heart is with the victims of the horrific synagogue shooting In Poway, California just happened. Our entire nation mourns the loss of life, prays for the wounded, and stands in solidarity with the
14: Jewish community.
0: This is USA Radio News. Hi, this is
14: Wayne Alaruth, the capitalist evangelist. I'm here to introduce you to a special company with the potential to be one of the great all-American stories. Fortum Resources is a publicly traded, diversified, natural resource company with oil, gas, and mining properties in North America and internationally. Fortum is led by Chairman Mark Bruner, the legendary oil man who built ultra-petroleum from a $0.15 cent stock to $200 per share, creating $15 billion in shareholder profits. Mark has 30 years of experience in the oil and gas industry, overseeing contracts with Halliburton, ExxonMobil, and Hess, Fordham has over 350,000 acres of oil and gas resources, and more than half the acreage has been evaluated by world-renowned auditors, Deloitte Touche. Fordham also owns the rights to the 180-square-mile City of Gold Mining property. Fordham is traded on two global exchanges, U.S. ticker symbol FTMR. Repeat, F-T-M-R. This is a rare ground floor opportunity. To capitalize on a proven energy industry legend, please visit FordhamResources.com. That's Fordham, F-O-R-T-E-M, Resources.com.
5: Live with Gene Steinberg,
15: it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next.
1: The question on the table here. About the fact that Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus coming, Apple has all these competitors. It's got to provide something that has to be must see. You can buy so many streaming services. Why do you pay whatever Apple charges for Apple? Does the fact that Steven Spielberg is bringing back a 30 year old TV show, <laughs> uh, maybe it will work? Is it matter that Oprah's involved? I don't know. You know, Oprah has a specific audience, it's not me. J.J. Abrams, well, of course, he's worked with the Star Wars lately, and he did the Star Trek reboots. I don't know, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, there, there's some A-list talent there, um, but it's not a guarantee of success. Nothing is, especially in something as fickle and trend-focused as entertainment and streaming entertainment. Um, you know, it's still a very much, it's a changing marketplace, but it's not like it isn't in an established marketplace. And Apple is planning disruption. I think we just need to take a step back and let Apple do what Apple's going to do. And it's, you know, th- this is not like an overnight thing. This is not something that Apple is going to pop into whole cloth existence in September, let's say, at an event, um, and it'll be completely formed. This is something that we're going to see happen over the course of uh, months, if not years. Well, this is the big thing here. Everyone's going to prejudge
1: Apple. They will succeed. They won't succeed. All we know is about the shows because stuff like that gets in variety in the Hollywood Reporter. You can't keep a secret that there are casting calls for players that deals are being made. There's no
2: way to keep a secret. But it's still Apple can market it in many thousands of ways. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right about prejudging too. And you know, this is one of the unfortunate things about uh, you know, Apple's position these days, it's really interesting. You know, those of us who have covered uh, Apple for a long time in tech journalism, of course, remember the old days when Apple was beleaguered and Apple was going out of business and Apple couldn't do anything right. Um, and Apple only had a tiny, you know, part of the the PC market and it seemed like it's uh, uh, it was in it, into its sunset days. And, you know, then the, the company had one of the most remarkable rallies in, in the history of, of American business and, you know, has become uh, such a dominant player uh, in global consumer electronics. It's, it's very easy when, when you are one of the highest profile companies in the world um, to be the target of a lot of prejudging from people who think that they know what you're doing or, um, you know, people who think that they have a better idea of how to do what you're doing. Uh, than you do. But this is is par for course, and it's nothing new. And thus it ever was, and thus it shall ever be, I think.
1: Of course, to those critics who say Apple should do this, I would ask them, how many multinational corporations have you run? And do you know about the advantages, the trade-offs, the compromises you have to make to get what you want? And then come back when you know that and tell us. And not that Things don't turn out wrong. Apple makes its share of mistakes. I'm kind of thinking here to get Apple TV off the ground, it's not going to be priced in the same way others are. It's got to have some value added stuff. You can't come in there at what? Was it $5.99 for the commercial laden version of CBS All Access and $9.99 for the full service? Apple has to come in in a way that draws value and attention to itself.
2: Apple's also very good at positioning its its products and services at a premium price, you know, I mean, you know, people have criticized Apple, for example, for only giving uh, iCloud customers five gigabytes of free access and charging what amounts to an exorbitant fee for additional storage compared to many of its competitors, compared to almost all of its competitors, really. And of course, you know, that the, the, there's the quote unquote Macintosh tax that we've we've all heard about over the years where some analysts think that um, the the cost of a Mac is uh, dramatically more than a PC. And there's some truth to that, but there's also a lot of devil in the details to take into consideration when you factor in the fact that apple doesn't junk up its computers or its devices with malware for i mean with uh with adware for example or and so on so there there are a lot of different ways of looking at that but the bottom line here is 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 just that it's uh The nature of this business for Apple to kind of position itself at the premium end of it. So, yeah, you know, I I look I look around. I know that I'm going to be paying twelve ninety nine for Netflix pretty soon. Uh, I have Amazon Prime as part of my my own uh personal service um so you know i use prime video quite frequently as well but i have a hard time paying additionally for hulu for uh cbs all access for disney plus when disney plus comes online it's the death of a thousand cuts gene and i don't i don't have you know unlimited budget for entertainment so i've got to draw the line someplace so apple if they continue their current trend and they focus on a more premium end of things really has to bring the value here. And that's going to be a very interesting um, issue for them to tackle.
8: It
1: would also have to be done differently. Apple will have to say, this is how they're doing it now, but we have a better idea. This is the better idea. I would hope. Maybe we'll hear that probably when the next iPhones are announced. You know, where's Apple's better idea? I wouldn't presume to guess. So, yes, Apple may charge premium prices for its hardware. But when it comes to services, I don't know. You mentioned, for example, the price of iCloud storage. It's, you get five gigabytes free. You get 50 for 99 cents, which is what I can afford. But the nine ninety-nine dollars a month gets you two terabytes. That is very competitive.
2: Yeah, but very, very few customers ever need or even want that much. That's true, but it's there. On the, other hand, no, you can, on the other
1: hand, you could pay on the other hand, you could pay nine ninety nine a month to Microsoft, get five licenses for Office for Macs and PCs, get licenses for mobile gear, iOS and Android. Each of the five users gets their own terabyte of
2: storage space. That's a value of course how it's implemented is different right you know buying a terabyte or two terabytes of space in icloud is very different in in terms of how you use it and how it integrates with your overall apple device using experience than let's say having a two terabyte sharepoint volume with microsoft or two terabytes of google cloud uh, google google drive storage or um two terabytes of storage on dropbox say Um, The advantage, of course, that iCloud has is its tight integration with all other Apple devices and services and the way that Apple devices can um, utilize that space, for example. If you have the sufficient space in iCloud, you can optimize it so your phone uh, will only keep low-res versions of uh, the photos that it keeps on itself. Um, so all of your high-res, original resolution stuff is, is relegated to the cloud in your iCloud drive. You know, in, 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 your, your, your iCloud uh, photos are backed up there. Um, and if you've got a smaller phone or let's say that you're on vacation and taking a ton of pictures, it's one way to stay well-optimized. Okay. I know that my stuff is going to get uploaded to the cloud. So I only have what I need on my phone. And if I need anything more than that, then I can get it back from the cloud at any time. But great. This saving or spending 99 cents a month, let's say is, as you put it Gene, to get the extra, what is that? 200 gigabytes of space saves you from having to replace your device and spending hundreds of dollars more for that. You know, all these services are tightly integrated with the hardware to help you get the most out of the hardware um, than you can. And that's the advantage that Apple has. That's the advantage that Google does when it comes to Android users. That's the advantage that Microsoft has when it comes to uh, Windows users. You know, you're dealing with a, a, a huge amount of inertia from the customer base that just wants to get as much as they can out of what, they've already bought what they've already paid for how they're already invested in the ecosystem ah uh, yes the dreaded apple ecosystem we
1: have a lot more to come with peter cohen but let me remind you the best way to support this show is to become a subscriber to tech night hell plus we offer an enhanced version of the show free of the network ads. check plus.technightow.com for more info we've got more to come With Peter Cohen, Gene Steinberg, on the Tech Night Out Live.
8: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
1: Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
3: coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s dot
12: many people believe they don't control their own destiny because they haven't chosen to take the first step towards the life they've always dreamed of let them continue just getting by while you make the choice to do something about your future Imagine working from home, earning the income you deserve. Start small or dream big. Work part-time or full-time. You choose the pace. Just visit StartLivingYoung.com. That's StartLivingYoung.com and click on the Be Your Own Boss tab. Discover Juness, a state-of-the-art global health products company that spent five years on the Inc. 5,000 fastest-growing private companies in America list. With over a billion a year in sales, they'll provide all the tools you need to thrive and succeed. And you'll be blown away by how little it takes to get started. Visit StartLivingYoung.com today and click on the Be Your Own Boss tab at the top of the page. 2019 will be the year your new life begins. Your destiny in the awaits at startlivingyoung.com.
15: what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
1: as a side note here speaking of value The reports are that Apple is selling a lot more iPhone XRs than XS or or XS Max. Obviously, it's, you know, hundreds of dollars cheaper. You get 96% or 98% of the features of the more expensive models, and it makes sense. But that does that tell Apple, you know, play more towards the value part of the market? Still premium priced, but... Customers are getting most of it. Now, I'll go to the iPad as an example. We have the iPad Pro. A new iPad Air came out and it offers, I'd say, 90% of what you get for the iPad Pro for $300 less.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. They definitely lowered the boom there with the new iPad Air, whatever version of the iPad Air this is now.
1: <laughs> I think it's called just iPad Air. We don't have two and all that stuff.
2: Right, yeah. Well, I mean, there already was an iPad Air 2, right? So well, this would be the 3 or something. I don't know. Apple's naming stuff confuses me sometimes. Having said that, yes, you're right. And, you know, this is one of the problems that I think Apple has, by the way, is that they're blurring the lines in their product segments an awful lot these days. It's reminding me a little bit of the bad old days of the Performa 4650 and stuff like that. You know, how, how do we keep differentiating the different products in Apple's... Uh, uh, in, in Apple's product lines, you know, there's 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 a lot of of carryover of features. Um and a lot of confusion, I think, in customers' minds, regular muggles. I'm not talking about the nerds who maybe listen to this show or um, you know search the stuff out on the web like you and I do, Gene. Uh, but for the the average mom and pop walking into an Apple store or a computer store that sells Apple products, there's a lot more confusion than there is really straightforward about, oh, this is what I'm looking for. this is the product that meets my needs. The days of that, that great four box configuration that Steve jobs would show on stage when they were introducing a new product saying, okay, this is, this is our product segment. We've got a pro product. We've got a consumer product. We've got, you know, a portable product. We've got um, a desktop product. And that was pretty much it. Those days are over. There's a lot of differentiation, a lot of gradation in these different products. You get the iPad and the iPad pro and the iPad mini, you've got the AirPods, you've got the Powerbeats pros. You've got the AirPod twos, you know, you've got HomePod, you've got, um, I'm assuming that another version of HomePod is coming out soon. Uh, you've got the 21-inch iMac, you've got the 27-inch iMac, you've got the iMac Pro. It, you know, There's a lot of blurring the lines, and it's great to offer consumers choice, but you know, there's a certain tyranny involved in that level of choice that Apple needs to stay mindful of, and I don't think that they've done a very good job of that in the past few years. It is, therefore, the PodPod. Pod. They're
1: going to come out with a PodPod pod soon. I have no idea what product that will be, but that will get... Right, a pod pod. A a pod pod. Yeah, it just crashed in on itself. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, you know, I agree with you about the differentiation between models. Like, for example, we look at the Mac line. Let me just bring up the Mac line here. So you can hear my silent keyboard and you go to apple.com slash Mac. And you see the MacBook and the MacBook Air. And you know... I don't understand where the user case for MacBook is anymore with the MacBook Air for less money.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a little curious. You know, the MacBook Air, you know, is, 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 is wedged in there because it's been a popular uh, product for Apple for a number of years. And its product, it, it's, it's popularity is not waning. People love it. Um, consumers love it. Business people love it. Um, students love it, especially. It's a very popular uh, computer for students to carry around on campuses. Having said all that, I think that, you know, the MacBook has always been kind of an edge case um, since it's modern resurrection. I'm not talking about the original white MacBook that came out a number of years ago. But this rebooted MacBook has always been sort of an odd duck in Apple's laptop lineup because it's more of an aspirational um, lifestyle computer than it is a real practical mobile device. Now that, that's changed. You know, a, Apple has actually put a lot of horsepower under the hood of the MacBook, and they've corrected a lot of the original issues that made the MacBook a less than optimal choice. You can pick up a MacBook right now and have an incredibly portable system that's very powerful and able to do everything that you need a general purpose laptop computer to do um, uh, without having to spend any extra money. That didn't used to be. The the case when the macbook first came out it was pretty underpowered uh, with you know intel's core i3 uh, processor and so on it wasn't a a great system now it's it's pepped up and it's certainly a lot better but it's very much an aspirational computer it's a computer that has no external uh expandability whatsoever except a single uh thunderbolt 3 port and that thunderbolt 3 port gets used both for uh for power and for external connectivity so if you want to hook up a display to it you do it that way you need a dongle or breakout box uh, of some type to be able to hook up other things to it now apple's design implementation or design concept for the macbook was very simple their idea was We want to make this thing as wireless as possible. We want to try to actually enforce in people's usage that they should be looking at wireless solutions for things like printing or uh, connecting external devices like mice or keyboards, as opposed to actually hooking up cables and connectors to this thing so it, that was by apple's design that they made it so thin but in the same token they've produced a device that has less utility less expandability and is in many ways for a consumer who sort of weighing the pros and cons a less than optimal solution compared to a less expensive computer like the entry-level macbook air okay the macbook air gives you a larger screen weighs three quarters of a pound more
1: that's terrible 2.75 pounds instead of 2 pounds. Of course, that's a that's a difference. If you want just the thinnest thing on the planet, MacBook. But then again, it's kind of a dead end. That's the vibe I get from it. It's kind of a dead end, hasn't been updated lately. Right now, the only updates left in the Mac line other than the MacBook are the iMac Pro and the Promise Mac Pro. Everything else has been covered.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and let's face it. There's kind of uh, there's been sort of a a, a a few stumbling blocks that that Apple has encountered um, when it comes to uh, making Macs that it's got to address. You know, like I'm thinking, of course, about the MacBook Pro um, uh, keyboard issue. Uh, We're now in this third generation of this butterfly keyboard mechanism design, Um, and Apple, you know, even recently acknowledged that people are still having problems uh, with the keyboard. Now, Apple says that it's a a small number, and I I accept that on face value uh, when compared to the the actual number of Mac users but i posit that that small number is a larger number of people experiencing keyboard failures than were experiencing keyboard failures prior to the introduction of this new design and that's why some bloggers including myself are calling for apple to just to scrap this design and start fresh start with a fresh piece of paper give us a new keyboard that doesn't suck
1: remember even if it's just one percent or one half of one percent or one tenth of one percent of mac users encountering these
2: problems that's a big number that is yeah i mean that's that's thousands and thousands of people speaking of macbooks
1: a feeling here that the ipad is becoming more of a macbook allegedly according to published reports and we can talk about it we'll know in less than two months what apple's going to do ios 13 lucky 13 will have support for a mouse, an input device like
2: a mouse or a trackpad for iPads? What do you think? You know, we've seen a real uptick um, over the course of the past few years, ever since the inter- introduction of the the iPad Pro, this acceleration of um, Apple positioning the the iPad more and more as a device that's ready for um, uh, digital professionals to use as their entire uh Workstation, uh, you know, something to replace a laptop. So it, it it would seem, at least on on a a superficial level, for it to make sense for Apple to eventually incorporate some kind of uh, external input um, system into iOS, because uh, more and more people are buying iPads, they're getting, um, they're either getting Apple keyboards for them, or, uh, you know, the Apple keyboard cases, or they are getting third party keyboard cases, and they are using them, but, um, you know, it's, it's dissimilar still to using a laptop, and that's a muscle memory issue for people. That's also just easier interface issue for people. So I I would be very happy to see Apple incorporate some sort of limited trackpad or mouse capability uh, into iOS. How it actually gets incorporated, though, is a different story, because obviously iOS is a touch-driven interface. It's just fundamentally the UI is is shifted in a way that it is designed to interact with directly by pressing things on the screen, as opposed to using a third-party device like a mouse or trackpad to position a cursor over things.
1: Let's get this thing over. Two more seconds with Peter Cohen on the Tech nine Out Live.
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
3: Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget.
14: You get Night Out Live, but you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him.
1: So we great here, and this is what Microsoft encountered too, trying to develop an operating system serving touchscreens and the traditional mouse and keyboard. That they fundamentally handled
2: different use cases. What's the expression, Gene? Uh, jack of all trades, master of none. And that seems to be. It seems to have been Apple's big resistance to doing it. You know, when uh, people have been uh, up Apple's keister for years to develop a convergence device. Um, like the Lenovo Yoga, you know, something, that, something that, that, that can operate as a Surface and as a laptop. Uh, you know, Microsoft has been parading these things around for years, and many of Microsoft's manufacturing partners have as well. And they've had limited success in certain markets segments but they really haven't set the world on fire but still analysts say hey apple why don't you do this and the answer that's come back from apple executives over and over again is that we feel like mac users and ios users are interested in having fundamentally different experiences with their devices and we're not trying we're trying to uh, blur the lines where it makes sense but we're not trying to force ios users to use a mac any more than we're trying to force mac users to use ios
1: we accept have this program now to allow you to develop an iOS app that will run on a Mac. And some apps have already come over, but this way it will be open to third parties this year. So you'll be able to get the apps that were originally designed for touch interface on your Mac.
2: And I think that as evidenced by the apps that Apple has already introduced as proofs of concept of marzipan or whatever it is, this technology that you want to refer to it as, as demonstrated by Apple's own implementation of those apps in Mojave, if all you are doing is slapping on a a Mac port of an iOS app, you are going to get hot garbage. It has always, and I, I need to back up for a second, because this conversation about you know, Apple making iOS apps run on Mac is fallacious. There has always been a pipeline between macOS and iOS. They're based on the same operating system kernel, right? They run the same technology. It's the the Mac app store has been populated for years, especially the game section. Once again, getting back to an area that I, I know a lot about with cheap easy crappy ports of ios games that you could download for your iphone and ipad you could get them for your mac too there has always been a pipeline that makes it easy for ios stuff to operate on mac and after a fashion for mac stuff to operate on ios but if all that's if that's all you're doing it's garbage it's not going to sell it's not going to appeal to customers because it looks like lousy it, it it plays lousy or it operates lousy and it's just not the experience that people are used to um so so they they get very upset with it and they should you know there's there's yes it's great that apple has a pipeline that it's preparing for for developers to enable them to move between worlds that much easier but it doesn't get developers off the hook for optimization and ux issues and logic issues and all the other things that go into crafting a good application to run a native experience uh, for the user in the operating system that it's intended for.
1: Well, the other thing that some suggest here is maybe Apple is also paving the way for the use of ARM processors on Macs. That Apple That's another getting, good point. Then that Apple is getting sick and tired of the fact that Intel's development process kind of stalling. The new Intel chips just out, using a 14 nanometer process. Apple is using 7 on the A12 processor.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, if Apple can provide uh, the the same sort of performance um, that it's getting out of Intel chips for uh, laptops and desktop computers out of ARM chips, that would be very compelling. Now, uh, there have been some benchmarks that have been teased over the years to show that Um, ARM chips are catching up, you know, to Intel chips um, and uh, uh, GPUs designed for Intel based computers, but they're not there yet. And even if they do produce benchmarks that are similar, that's like running flat out. That's not something unless you want your laptop to sound like a turbine. um, That's probably not the user experience that you really want. So we'll see. We'll see how Apple does that. There's a lot to manage, too. There's a lot of moving parts within that discussion. Like if Apple transitions to an ARM microprocessor um, as the CPU for Macintoshes, okay, it may be able to make its own operating system and its own applications pretty portable between Intel-based and ARM-based Macs. It's done it before. It can manage it again, I'm sure. But... The fact that Macs are Intel-dependent right now makes it a lot easier for a lot of developers to create products for uh, Macintoshes because they're reusing the same code base that they already have for other operating systems. That portability might be lost in an ARM environment. So how is Apple going to manage that? Is it going to be a virtualization system or some kind of... Uh, some kind of of interpreting system. You know, is it going to work like an emulator? Is it going to work like Bootcamp does on Intel Max? We don't really know a lot of those questions right now. We don't really have a good idea of what Apple's going to to do there because they're not broadcasting that information. So there are a lot of question marks for developers and for users, not to mention IT people who are supporting this in the field and a lot of other folks, a lot of other people with skin in the game. So that's a big conversation to have when that uh, when, when that time actually comes so far the only re- or the the only reliable bellwether as far as uh apple's conversion to arm is concerned isn't coming from apple or isn't coming from any arm uh chip maker it's coming from pundits who are seeing this down the road saying yeah it's going to happen but don't actually know when. And I'm in that group. Look, I I think it's I I suspect that Apple wants to own as much of its own silicon from start to finish as possible. And I have no doubt that somewhere in Cupertino, there is a computer or many computers, uh, Mac computers that are running ARM processors right now. But I don't think they're ready for primetime and I don't think they will be for a while.
1: It'll be a few years yet, you think? I think so. Of course, your colleague over at the Mac Observer, Brian Schaffin, thinks the reason the Mac Pro is so late is because Apple is going to try to build it on an ARM processor, a very, very enhanced one, obviously.
2: That would be cool. You know, I mean, but look, you know, Apple rolled out this new Mac Pro back in 2013 that nobody wanted. Um, It replaced a a workhorse machine that was ugly and ungainly and, you know, wouldn't pass uh, uh, spec for, you know, being able to be sold in the European Union because uh, its its power supply was ridiculous and all this other stuff. But they overengineered the device and they created a product that nobody really wanted. Um, You know, it was this very elegant turbine design. Uh, uh, surrounding a central core uh, with incredible um, thermal control to help um, uh, both this this very high powered server processor and this this uh, uh, this workstation level uh, uh, GPU uh, perform at, at their best without producing a lot of noise or a, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of heat. It was a very clever design, but it wasn't what people wanted. You know, in the same token, this third generation uh, butterfly mechanism keyboard that I mentioned a couple of segments ago, you know, people want flatter, um, thinner designs, sure, but nobody asked for this particular keyboard. Uh, you know, so again, it's Apple sort of aspirationally offering this product with the expectation that this is something that's going to appeal to consumers. And consumers consumer saying, "Nah," you know. So Apple doesn't have a magic ability to read um, consumer trends. Sometimes they release dogs as well. The new Mac Pro, though, whether or not it's ARM or not. All I, all I know for sure is that Apple is working very closely, in fact, more closely than um, I think they have on past Mac designs, to make sure this really meets the needs of those same consumers who they alienated with the 2013. They're working much more closely in their engineering teams, uh, with customer feedback folks. This is all based on public information that's already been talked about by Apple uh, with regards to the development of the new Mac Pro. So I have no doubt whether it's an ARM-based system or something else, there's some really Interesting stuff going on at Apple. And when we find out, we're probably going to be very interested in getting our hands on one of those. Peter Cohen, coming back for one more segment.
1: I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
3: Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget.
1: We have one issue about the design of the Mac Pro. It's supposed to be modular. I was thinking, though, an ideal way of doing this would be to leverage the cost of these ships and offer an updated version of the MyMac Pro with essentially the same guts. Obviously, you'll have the expandability on a Mac Pro, so you have the choice. You want to get an all-in-one with the trade-offs, with the same basic hardware as the modular version, which doesn't have the display and allows you to add internal drives, more memory, et cetera, et cetera. Don't you think that would be a good marketing ploy if it happens?
2: Yeah, indeed. Another fanciful design that I've seen that I would really love to see come to fruition, actually, is um, this idea of sort of a Lego brick Mac Pro. You know, the idea that you could buy multiple Mac Pros and stack them together with some sort of proprietary connector and sort of build your own Franken-Mac, depending on what your needs are. You know, you you buy one module maybe for the GPU and another module for the CPU, another module for uh, digital audio processing, and build yourself a really terrific workstation out of modular components. The early rumors that I've, I've read and, and some stuff that I've read since then bolstering this does, does suggest that modularity is a key design concept of the new Mac Pro one way or the other. But how much modularity that actually translates into, again, the devil is in the details, and only Apple will be able to answer those questions for us. Again, we're weeks away
1: when this happens. Yes. And by the way, mm-hmm. speaking, being very close, we're doing the show on the 26th of April. It'll be heard on the 27th. Apple is going to release its financials when? April 30th. So we can't predict what Apple's going to say maybe next week. We'll do some coverage of it. This week, I'm just going to leave it. Because whatever you hear will be out of touch, out of time by the time many people listen to the show. Not everybody hears it at the appointed time Saturday night. It's different in radio now. Some people, most people, download the show. From our site, through iTunes, from GCN. They'll hear it Monday, they'll hear it Tuesday. And if we were to predict something now, we'd come across like idiots, so we're not going to do it. (laughs) Yes, indeed. It won't stop the cable TV talking heads from doing it. Obviously, they'll have something to say. How bad were iPhone sales? What about published reports that the iPhone sales ticked up in March in China. Who knows? Last thing I want to talk about is Facebook. Facebook is saying they face a fine of up to 3 to $5 billion from the Federal Trade Commission in the U.S. Now, some people have observed that's a drop in the bucket. You know, it's like you spending a, a $10. If Peter Cohen spends $10, it's like Facebook spending $3 billion to pay a fine. That's not even a slap on the wrist it's a massage of the finger. Don't you
2: think? Yeah, I mean, what, their their 2017 revenues were more than $40 billion. So $5 billion wouldn't be, you know, it would be material. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, 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 I'm sure it would affect their earnings. And that's why they mentioned it. Um, but first of all, I, you know, whether or not that's actually what the, the feds have been sort of broadcasting to Facebook that they're, they can be expected to pay, who knows, but whatever it is, Facebook's revenue model is rock solid. Facebook is making lots of money. Uh, Facebook, you know, Facebook's advertising model is, is, is still a really solid uh, revenue generator for the company. So regardless of whether it's $5 billion or more than that, um, I suspect that they're going to be able to shrug it off and keep going.
1: The question is here, what difference does it make? If it's a line item on your financial statement, it doesn't mean anything.
2: That's correct, yeah.
1: It only has value if they learn from having to pay that money. If they don't learn anything from having to pay that money, forget about it.
2: Well, yeah, the the, the fine needs to come with some sort of substantive reform um, that puts better control of uh, data privacy uh, in the hands of users. You know, this is something that we can't trust companies like Facebook to do on their own. We can't even trust Apple to do on their own. There needs to be, uh, I think anyway, a, a very clearly delineated uh, framework for doing this. Unfortunately, uh, the bureaucrats in Washington have um, have let uh, Silicon Valley work unregulated for way too long. And um, the, the result has, in some ways you know, been a degradation of society. If you take a look at the effect that social media like Twitter and Facebook has had on public discourse and politics and everything else, you can't really walk away from that saying, yeah, you know, everything's coming up roses, you know, everything's great. No, and this is the result of letting an industry, uh, an industry that's focused on nothing but growth um, and uh, and and profit uh, without having any sort of uh humane perspective on this what are we actually doing how are we making lives better and how are we guaranteeing that our customers are safe they need to do a better job than that
1: well the only accountability is to their shareholders and their board of directors exactly there's no accountability especially facebook now yes there's accountability with apple if people don't buy Macs and iPhones don't partake of the services.
2: Apple suffers. Obviously. But... Well, yeah, every every company (laughs) suffers when the bottom line gets hit, but...
1: At this point, people are paying lip service to all these stories about security problems with Facebook. They're still joining Facebook. They're still interacting with Facebook. They're still active with Facebook. So... It doesn't matter to them. Maybe they're not seeing the stories. Maybe they're saying, "Well, it's not going to affect me." Russian interference
2: well, is I, not going to affect me. No, look. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Facebook user. I'm very aware of all the problems with Facebook. And every time something new comes out, um, like the Wired uh, magazine. Um, uh, 15 months of hell inside Facebook uh, uh, a feature that just recently popped up I'm horrified by this stuff and I'm, I, I'm, I'm disgusted with the fact that I use it but I still do because it fills a, an essential need for me, it puts me in touch with people who I would lose contact with otherwise and as long as Facebook has that glue in our social life it's not going to disappear you know Um, And I think a lot of people are just resigned to it, too. A lot of people are like, yeah, privacy. Yeah, who cares? You know, everything stinks. You know, I don't have any privacy. So why do I care about Facebook? There's a lot of just plain ambivalence from people, too. As far as Twitter is concerned, because we have the Twitterer or the
1: I don't want to say that (laughs) the Twitterer in chief. In the White House, that's tremendous publicity for Twitter. Everybody wants to be on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> because look what's happening. Even if to say that guy doesn't know what he's doing. Peter Cohen, we want to learn more about what you're up to. Where do we go?
2: Uh, well, if you want to tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about, you are welcome to. Fl- Twitter is probably the best way to do that. I am Flarg F-L-A-R-G-H. You can also find my musings every so often at Peter-Cohen, that's C-O-H-E-N.com. Peter Cohen, very special thank you for being on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene. Always a pleasure.
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
12: Many people believe they don't control their own destiny. Let them continue just getting by while you make the choice to do something about your future. Imagine working from home, earning the income you deserve. Just visit StartLivingYoung.com and click on the Be Your Own Boss tab. Discover Juness, a state-of-the-art global health company with over a billion a year in sales. They'll provide all the tools you need to succeed. Visit StartLivingYoung.com today and click on the Be Your Own Boss tab. Your destiny awaits at StartLivingYoung.com.
18: USA Radio News with Wendy King.
0: Another shooting at a place of worship. Police in Poway, California, close to San Diego, say a gunman identified as John Ernest opened fire at a synagogue, killing one person and wounding three others. San Diego Police Chief Bill Gore says he may have been involved with another crime as well.
13: We're currently working with the Escondido Police Department and the FBI to determine Ernst's possible involvement in the arson at the mosque in Escondido about a month ago.
0: Authorities say they're aware of an anti-Jewish online post that someone identifying themselves as Ernest wrote about an hour before the attack there was also praise for those who were behind other recent hate crimes in Pittsburgh a vigil to honor a deadly synagogue shooting there exactly six months ago also paid tribute to the victims of the Poway attack this is USA radio news
19: hey travelers do you want to save money on your next flight then pick up the phone and call that's right So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and
4: first-class tickets. 800-871-3291. 800-871-3291. Again, that's 800-871-3291. Bags under the eyes
18: crow's feet. Fine lines and wrinkles are things adults complain about as they age. Now, there's instantly ageless. It works in minutes and is great for men and women.
11: I've probably noticed in the past five years that my eyes have gained a lot of fine lines, wrinkles. My crow's feet have gotten deeper. Wow. I was
17: hoping for five years, but that's like what my eyes looked like ten years ago. That is really cool. Wrinkle gone. (laughs) It's easy. Just put it on your finger and go. Now I wish I had more down here because I can still see one wrinkle it's bugging me.
11: I am a little bit emotional. I'm turning 40, I didn't think would be a big deal to me, but that looks like the me that I feel like inside instead of what, um, what I see when I look in the mirror.
18: Try Instantly Ageless today at GCNLife.com. That's GCNLife.com. 30-day money-back guarantee and preferred price discount at GCNLife.com. That's GCNLife.com what's going to happen next
15: you never know when you're listening to the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
1: so we have brian Chaffin of the mac observer and we did pose this question of adam inkster earlier Apple has an event on March 25th, and I understand some of you may not hear the show until after March 25th. So you'll see if we're a bunch of fools or we got it right. Brian, welcome aboard. Is Thanks. all the conventional wisdom right about this? What conventional wisdom? Okay, conventional wisdom, Apple's services mostly, Apple's TV thingy. Yes. Okay. That
20: this event will be mostly about services? Is that what you're asking me?
1: Yes. Yes,
20: for sure. Yeah, there's no way Apple's going to want to dilute any marketing message here with the introduction of new hardware. This is going to be all about uh,
1: the streaming service. So, considering that, what do we expect or what do we know about the streaming service now?
20: Well, um, we know that Apple's been putting together shows for a very, very long time. Um, They've been developing shows. We also... Know that uh, Apple executives, including Tim Cook, have been uh, meddling in the production of those shows, which concerns me greatly. And uh, we know that Apple is going to be offering a streaming service. What we don't know is pricing. What we don't know is if it'll be somehow rolled into Apple Music, which I doubt will be a standalone service, which I assume, uh, which will, if it'll be bundled with Apple Music, which seems a little, it could be bundled, I mean, uh, as an option, that seems likely, and also uh, whether or not Apple is going to offer some uh, period of free watching, which I assume they'll do just like they did with the music and offer three months free.
1: Now, looking at Apple's roster makes me think of the same thing from CBS All Access, which is I like one show on CBS All Access, Star Trek Discovery. I don't know about the show that's going to feature Patrick Stewart as an aging Jean Luc Picard. But that's not enough to make a service.
20: Well, sure. Um, I, I get where you're coming from there. However, Apple has signed dozens of shows. Mm-hmm. We don't know the, I, I there's no way they'll all be released at launch. But but Apple, you know, like I said, we, we know that Apple has signed dozens of shows. The Hollywood, uh, you know, gossip slash leak slash rumor mill has been has been covering these to great effect for the last year and a half.
1: Well, there are no secrets when it comes to production, because you'll see it in variety. You will see the information in Hollywood Reporter. And anything that involves mainstream producers, mainstream production companies will not go unreported. Right. Which is essentially what I just said. Exactly. So in any case, even looking at a couple of dozen shows and I've seen the list, there are some sci-fi things I might like to watch. Ronald D. Moore has one. There are a few others I might like to watch Mm -hmm. So maybe three, maybe three or four shows. Is that enough? I was thinking here that Apple would offer it three ways. A bundle with news, Apple Music, and the video. A bundle, say fourteen ninety nine base price. Then offer the TV shows at a special introductory price of at $1.99 a month to get you sucked in. Or offer it free for people who have Apple Music, at least for a while. What do you think
20: well again i I think they'll offer uh an introductory uh, the the rumor that the service would be free period for you know if you have an apple device it'll be free uh i think that doesn't make any sense whatsoever for a company that is trying to grow services revenue uh, and it also makes no sense to me why they would offer uh, video for free when they're charging for music when they're you know the video is costing a lot more money to produce so what makes the most sense to me like i said is that there will be a three-month free uh period just like there was with um uh, apple music when it first rolled out and that it'll then be i would think $19.99 a month but maybe maybe as little as $9.99 and maybe in that sweet spot in between at $14.99 like you said um, I think it probably really depends on how many shows they're rolling with uh, uh, at first and what they tell us that they're going to be, you know, like, you know, we're going to be announcing, we're going to be introducing X number of new shows every three months. You know, if, if the, the, the more they're giving us, the more, the more the last one,
1: it won't be anything like, for example, Netflix, where you have a few new shows and you have lots of back content with the new Disney streaming service i understand all the disney movies will be there in addition to the new stuff another incentive of course cbs all access everything from cbs all the back shows plus a few new ones this is what grabs yeah, you Apple apple's I, just going to offer I, uh, the new shows you have to like some of them
20: uh, that's true and i mean in uh, yeah, i I would caution against assuming that just because you are only interested in three of them, that everybody will only be interested in three of them. Um, you know, TV watching tastes are, are obviously very subjective and personal, but we also don't know if there will be back content available. Apple has long wanted to get into the, um, you know, the the, the 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 streaming TV business in terms of of offering uh content that wasn't their own and that could be coming to fruition here too and you know we 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 just don't know
1: yet will they offer other content and the other question of course is we are getting more and more of these services certainly a family with smaller children would want to consider disney and you have Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and separate subscriptions for Showtime and HBO. You add it all up. The cable cord cutter is suddenly spending a lot more than maybe they expected. And the thing I wonder, therefore, is how many of these shows, these services, are people going to subscribe to? Well, it's prob- uh, probably not
20: all of them, especially as more and more of them are introduced. I. Imagine that um, Apple has a, 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 a really good leg to stand on considering the strength of its overall ecosystem and, and the, the loyalty of its users in general, uh, but surely surely there will there, there, is, there is assuredly a maximum number of subscription services that most people are willing to pay for. Whether or not we've hit that number yet, I don't know. Whether or not, like, you know, an Apple subscription gain means a Hulu loss, I don't know. Um, we, We will see, and I think a lot of it also, too, depends upon how much great original content is going to continue to be a product of all of these standalone
1: services it's anyone's guess what else is going to be there some suggested a new subscription service which i don't know about i know that most of the stuff that you get online from newspapers is free or you get a minimum number of free per month new york times you get 10 articles i think the same for washington post with the washington post if you're an Amazon Prime member, you pay a much lower price per month. So some of the newspapers offer subscription services. Others do not, and other publications, which are dealt with in news, do not. So where do you monetize that? I think that Apple can probably make this platform
20: big enough to, to have the monetization being, by the way, you, you mentioned a new subscri- a subscription service at the beginning, and um to, to clarify we're talking about a new newspaper slash magazine subscription service
1: correct and the question is here do people care about magazines anymore more to come with ryan chaffin i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night how live
8: thank you for listening to gcn visit GCnlive.com today
14: Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of Estate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the Alt-Left Sanctuary State until one day I chose to leave my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com.
10: This is George
4: Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637
17: okay so a
0: watch is good and some jewelry better grab some flowers too hey what you doing uh, mother's day remember oh yeah so i'm making lists gotta plan a trip to the store then need to save all the receipts in case she wants to return uh, you know
7: there's an easier way right i'm
0: guessing you do yes
7: and i'm gonna show you the easy quick way to shop for mom and save 30 percent at sunshine-pillows.com ah pillows mm-hmm. great idea oh not just pillows sunshine-pillows.com has the best selection of custom heated neck wraps and heated neck pillows she
17: always says she has stress
0: and
7: aches and Pains, right? Look, they have hot and cold therapy products.
0: Ooh, it says we can buy any select combo up to $150 and get 30% off.
7: Yep, just use this promo code, MOM30.
0: You know, for a little brother, you're pretty smart.
7: Get something for every mom on your list and save 30% when you spend up to $150 on any select combo. Now through Mother's Day only at sunshine-pillows.com. Use promo code MOM30. Sunshine-pillows.com,
5: your complete line of therapeutic pillows and pads.
15: what are you listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg what's going to happen next you never know
1: so riddle me this Brian Chaffin do people even care about magazines certainly in terms of news Newspapers are pretty much passe. They still exist. We used to call them in the old days the morning fish wrapper. Disc jockeys would call them that. And they served a purpose, which is now supplanted by getting online. Any news source you want is online. I don't think I've touched a physical newspaper in I can't remember.
20: Well, you know, I haven't either. I do read a lot in Apple News. Um, I do read uh, I certainly read through Google News you know linking to the, the individual sites uh, still what I think and and there is still a business for magazines magazines are still sold and advertising is still sold for magazines the question to me is whether or not a quality subscription service that works, for the consumer that 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 is aimed at the way consumers actually want to consume this content if that won't take better take i should say the 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 print industry further into the digital era and i think that it could like this may be the thing that magazines need and it, it may be a disaster for them but it may be also be the thing That they need. And it may be a lifeline for newspapers. It may be a lifeline for local newspapers. We don't know yet if Apple's even catering to local news. I I, I hope that they are because local news needs the most help. So I don't know. It, It remains to be seen. And we don't know if this service will be launched at this event too, or if that would be a later. Uh, event, perhaps a standalone event. And the only other real possibility, I think, for this media event is, is the vague possibility of new Apple TV hardware, but I don't really think that'll happen.
1: I think Apple is mostly focused on licensing AirPlay and iTunes to major TV makers. So that kind of eliminates a lot of the need for the Apple TV if you have a recent smart TV. And the apps, the third-party apps that are not related to TV content, networks or individual channels, they're not going anywhere anyway. That's a big loser for the Apple TV. So that's a way of saving the platform, if not saving the product. I don't know if they come up with anything new. There was a story that Apple would replace the cheapest iPad with a version with a 10.2-inch screen. As opposed to ten point five inches for the Pro.
20: Yeah, I don't. I don't see that happening at this event. Uh, I, I don't think Apple wants this story to be muddled here. I think Apple wants everybody focused on this stream, the streaming platform, the streaming uh, video uh, original content video platform. I, I think that Apple really wants everybody focused on that. For that reason, I don't expect other major announcements at this event i, th- I think it's going to focus on that
1: i think too if they introduce a new ipad it's a press release for the cheap ipad it's always been a press release yeah. not worth a full event or maybe yeah. they could just mention it at the end they could Go mention for. it they
20: could they could mention it at another event but i don't it won't it wouldn't be this event
1: okay moving on there's an article from our good friend and you're compatriot over at Mac Observer, John Martellaro, and he's talking about why an iMac refresh has been delayed. Pray tell. Yes.
20: Yes. Uh, He thinks that it's basically um, chip related. Um, And I think that that is certainly possible. So basically the last iMac update was in 2017 The iMac pro was announced in June, 2017 and shipped in December of 2017. The iMac itself was in the fall of 2017. Uh, and you know, and and, and this is like, this is one of my pet peeves. I don't want to pay today's prices for two year old technology. It really infuriates me, uh, that Apple will go so long without an update. I almost gave you an edit there, but why Apple would go so long without an update and still charge, uh, it, just, it infuriates me. So there have been some issues with Intel processors and that could be it. And they could also be waiting for the long rumored, but yet unannounced Apple arm desktop processor. Uh, these things are possible. And uh, if I had, my assessment is basically this. Apple figured out that the that most Mac customers aren't paying attention to the specs, don't care about the specs, no one cares about the specs anymore. No one cares about which generation of processor it is. And you know, therefore Apple doesn't care. Apple's just, you know, Apple can actually make more money by by not refreshing these devices as often. Uh, I disagree with that philosophically. I disagree with that as a matter of principle. But, you know, apparently Apple didn't consult me or care about my opinion. And in this particular case, I think that there's enough going on with Intel's uh, processor cycle that Apple just hasn't felt the need to to update.
1: Now, let's get back to the arm processor rumor mm-hmm. that's the one you've mentioned on two of our shows okay mm-hmm. and that is the fact that it's going to be the one the first one to have an arm processor and that's why it's taken so long
20: uh, y- uh, yeah that's I mean like I think that's why it's taken so long for the Mac Pro to be updated uh, I think that the Mac Pro is, is, you know, two years ago or two and a half years ago, Apple started teasing us about this new Mac Pro. I don't know, maybe it's a year and a half ago, two years ago, but, you know, it's, it doesn't take that long to, 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 to design a new computer. It just doesn't. I mean, companies like Dell, companies like HP, they do it all the time and they have a lot less money than Apple, a whole lot less money than Apple. But what does take time is developing a new processor. That is a very, very big deal. And if the Mac Pro is waiting for Apple's own ARM processors, that would, in fact, explain why it's taken so long for Apple to get this thing off the ground. And it could be that the iMacs are waiting for the same thing, and it could be that the iMac Pro is waiting for the same thing. And if so, we may see these at... Uh, WWDC. I'm certainly hoping we do. I'd rather see them before that, but, you know, we may end up seeing them at, at WWDC in June.
1: iMac Pro, same deal? Yeah. Yeah, same thing for Mac Pro, iMac
20: Pro, and iMac. I, I don't know that they're all going to be released with ARM processors all at the same time. Um, but I do think that they will be introduced with ARM processors as will new MacBook uh, various MacBook models. Well,
1: at this point, it's March, so it doesn't make so much of a difference anymore.
20: Uh, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. It's only a couple more months. Been a couple years. Might as well wait another
1: couple months. And remember, when it comes to the Mac Pro, you've been waiting what—five and a half years.
20: Yes, the Mac. Yes, the Mac Pro is ridiculously old and an embarrassment, and it's really shameful that Apple still sells it.
1: Frankly. Yes, I just still don't understand why they couldn't have done some kind of easy chip thingy. Yeah, b- between now and then. I mean, if they want to give up yeah. the form factor, right? But how long does it take them to how build long? a new form factor? Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it's not rock
20: science. It's not it's not rebuilding the wheel. Unless of course they're just they're content to wait until the ARM processor is ready. I, I again, I disagree with that decision. You should give us Apple should give us the latest technology that it can at any given point. And especially with the prices that Apple charges for its hardware. You know, we should not be paying top dollar for uh, two-year-old Mac technology.
1: We just shouldn't. Who knows what evil er lurk? No, that's another story. We have Brian Schaff of the Mac Observer. Reminder that the best way to support this show is Plus. Go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. And what do you get for your hard-earned money? Well, you get a special version of the show Free of the network ads with better quality audio on Tech Night Owl Plus. More to come on the Tech Night Owl Live.
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNLive.com today.
4: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: Brian Chaffin, Mac Observer, speculating on possible future thingies. Macs from Apple and why. It may be that they're taking so darn long to get their stuff together, to get these new models out. Yep. Oh, well. Let's go on with more excitement. Excitement here, okay? Okay. I'm already. I'm done. You're already. ready? I'm braced. Uh-huh. What is this article here? Beto O'Rourke, who's now a candidate... For president and the cult of the dead cow, who? Yeah, it was
20: a, a hacking group uh, that called itself the cult of the dead cow. And Bader O'Rourke, uh revealed that he was uh, once a part of that group. And it's one of the oldest hacking groups uh,
1: in the U.S. Okay, enough to get a politician involved in that.
20: Well, he wasn't a politician at the time. Of course, he was a young man. Uh, but uh, this group is apparently the group. They they claim to have invented, uh, coined the term hacktivism. Um, uh, so you know, I don't know. Take that with a grain of salt. I'm sure that uh, his fans will will think it's really cool, and his detractors will think that it is uh, proof of his you know whatever it is that that they want to to feel. Um, Either way, it shows that he's that he's got just even being aware that the group exists, let alone uh, being a part of it, uh, shows that he has a lot more technical savvy than the vast majority of politicians.
1: And think of it this way. We can forget about his hand movements. You heard about that, right? Yes. OK, so and also are his hands small or large? You should <laughs> argue about that, too.
20: And, and technologically no, we, we should not argue about that. That should not be a thing we talk about
1: except for certain politicians who have their hands lengthened with Photoshop. Yes. What do you think by the way of Corel Draw coming back to the Mac platform? Is that silly or what? Um, you know, they've come back to the Mac before. Corel is is like I
20: Corel is a is an interesting company. I I was going to say a a weird fascinating company maybe fascinating in a weird way i don't understand where they get all the money they get but they still buy companies uh, in, in any event corel draw has disappeared from the mac before and it's come back to the mac before i really didn't realize it was still gone the platform is big enough i guess that uh, you know that they're interested again it's <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm kind of hard pressed to care, but at the same time, it's, I don't know, kind of interesting.
1: I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I see it's now available in the App Store. Maybe the hope is here that being on equal footing with Office, which is also available in the App Store, and offering a demo, they're offering a two-week demo of Corel Draw, and maybe you'll like it. On the other hand, Microsoft is offering a one-month trial for Microsoft Office, before you have to buy the license. So maybe Corel. Corral- who's Corel Draw competing with today? Pardon?
20: Who is Corel Draw competing with today?
1: How are they competing with? Ah, that's a good question. I'm just talking about free sample policies. Some elements of Adobe Creative Cloud, of course. I thought Photoshop and Illustrator. What do you think? Well, yeah. So I, that's why I'm curious as to why you're mentioning Office. Only about the thirty days, I think two weeks is chintzy. Uh, yeah, okay, I suppose. Then again, who knows how this will work? I mean, for new Mac users who are looking for illustration programs, what would they get? Illustration. I mean, so far we don't have Illustrator available on the app store you have to go to adobe to download the copy and subscribe yeah I mean, which they could of offer the app they can offer a demo version of the app in the app store and then you still have to you'd have to make an in-app purchase to subscribe or go mm-hmm. online and subscribe i don't know it all gets confusing
20: yeah and i mean i don't I, I adobe apparently does quite well without being in the app store um of course photoshop is coming to the ios app store at the very least um Carole Draw I think has always been a little bit more consumer oriented than professional I suppose uh, some some uh, may disagree with that per- perception but uh, uh one way or another um I mean having another option is 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 available uh, excuse me having another option available is, is certainly great uh whether or not they're able to to make a uh, a, a dent in the Mac market. Again, I, I don't know. What I will be more interested in seeing is whether or not they really stick with it.
1: I would hope they would going into this investment to set it up in the App Store, have people download it and everything. Well, I wonder about WordPerfect. That's still being built, WordPerfect. I'm surprised. I Apparently, they're still making it.
20: Yep. Uh, I'm surprised, too.
1: Well, you know, we don't necessarily know about the PC business market where these things might be popular. Right, right. And that's where it is. It's an alien world. It's available in Earth 38 as opposed to Earth number one that happens. Did you see the story? And I don't know if if you've read it yet. Qualcomm wins 31 million verdict. I did see. I did see the headline pass by on Friday.
20: What do you know about so far? Uh, it's one of the various cases that are going on between Apple and Qualcomm. It was a jury, uh, verdicts, 31 million bucks. It's probably a drop in the bucket in the grand scheme of things. It is a drop in the bucket in the grand scheme of things. Um, I think that there's a different story about Apple, uh, getting a billion dollar reward from a, for, from a different trial.
1: Right. That's right. That's right. I think it's a billion dollars that they got. Yeah. They so can federal, keep. It's not the federal judge anything.
20: recently ruled that Qualcomm owes Apple almost a billion dollars in patent royalty rebate payments. So that was uh, in one that was uh, also news on Friday. And then there's this other trial where a jury, like I said, rewarded, awarded uh, Qualcomm, thirty one million dollars. So and both of these both of these cases, both of these trials are just part of this this global epic fight between the two companies um, covering patent uh, patents and licensing and um, uh, Apple accusing Qualcomm of, of uh, uh, using illegal uh, methods to uh, suppress competition and and Qualcomm accusing Apple of of not paying what it should be paying, and it's it's a it's a pretty epic fight.
1: Can't keep track with it. You cannot keep track of all this stuff of what's happening with all yep. this. I mean, if I was asked by somebody, okay, what's going on with Qualcomm and Apple, I would say, don't ask, hmm. because it's going to go on for years, even after a verdict is reached, it has to be viewed by an appeals court maybe the supreme court will look at it or turn it back you know what do you well, think these fights are taking place in courts around the world right exactly but each one has its own problems in terms of appealing a verdict and that sort of thing i'd say five years from now they'll still be fighting look what apple and samsung did how many years it took them to settle basically just a couple of cases
20: yeah and that was with Samsung, you know, losing all of them and it still took years. I mean, yeah, Samsung got its, its rear end handed to it uh, at different stages and probably still ended up winning because they're, you know, were able to stay in the business after having pilfered Apple's ideas and, um, uh, which is, you know, really what Samsung does in just about every market. Go for someone else's ideas, get sued, lose, drag it out until it doesn't matter.
1: More the products no longer being made. Mordecai with Jean and Brian on the Tech Night Out Live.
3: Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget.
9: You could save up to 70%. That's 1-800-919-5435.
10: 1-800-919-5435.
4: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com.
1: That was an interesting point there. All these products have a short lifetime in the scheme of things. So they may be suing something, someone on the product that was built five years ago. By the time yeah. they get around to the current product, it's been replaced by five more products. Yeah. But now Apple, I guess, is still buying billions of dollars worth of parts from Samsung. Uh yeah, apparently um, Apple remains a
20: supplier. Apple has cut back on some of the business that it's giving to Samsung. We know that Apple has greatly reduced, if not eliminated, the business it's giving to, to Samsung for um, processor manufacturing. Instead, that business has been given to uh, a Samsung competitor called TSMC. Um, but there are certainly other places where Apple is still still uh, buying from uh, Samsung. And uh, but you know they, the Apple has mostly put all of the legal fights with samsung aside and is getting its revenge by giving at least some business to 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 anyone but samsung
1: i think they mentioned samsung in relation to the oled displays on the iphone 10. don't know if they're still using them as a supplier but that's you know tens and tens of millions of screens i don't know what each screen costs but it's not Chump Change. It's not Chump Change. No. Okay. We talked earlier about Apple's possible TV subscription service, possibly their news and magazine subscription service. And then there's some kind of dust up now between Apple and Spotify. Mm, yeah. What's your take?
20: Well, uh so this this is this is something I personally find interesting. Spotify has long accused Apple of not playing fairly because Apple was taking 30% of uh, in app subscription fees from Spotify and th- then from everybody else too. Uh, and that was probably less of a deal until Apple introduced Apple Music because Apple can charge the same ten dollars that spotify is charging but apple gets all 10 of those dollars right and whereas uh, spotify was getting seven of those dollars three of them going to apple at least for the first year after the first year that would drop to 15 percent or about 50. and for a while uh spotify combated this by simply charging more for its iOS subscriptions if you did them through an in-app purchase uh, and then while you know trying to get people to actually just pay through Spotify's website instead. And Spotify has been amping up the pressure, complaining publicly and then complaining to regulators that Apple is unfairly competing. I think there was a, there was a story earlier in the week about Uh, Spotify calling uh, the Spotify ceiling CEO calling their relationship with Apple unsustainable and just really, really accusing Apple of of shenanigans. And in return, late on Thursday night, essentially Friday morning, Friday morning, uh, European time in particular, Apple released a quote unquote response to Spotify. And that is... um, that is is interesting it, it was a pretty aggressive uh, stance let me actually uh let me let me pull that up and reference it directly it's
1: called addressing spotify's claim you know what brian we basically have some pull it up music as a background when you're looking for something covered, on our, you know, site we don't have that music here because we like to be spontaneous go ahead fair enough and so this is this is an 800, 900 word document that Apple
20: released where they systematically go through and basically paint a picture of Spotify benefiting from Apple's ecosystem while not wanting to contribute to that ecosystem. That basically saying that Spotify wants to get a free lunch. And everything that Apple says is true. The thing is, though, it doesn't negate the fact that Apple does have an unfair advantage when competing against competitors, right? Apple doesn't have to pay that 30% to a third party. Apple keeps that 30%. Apple is the 30%. And that is a form of unfair competition. I don't know how to solve it because Apple makes a point. Apple developed a secure in-app purchase system that customers trust. Apple says that that was no mean feat. And Apple is correct. Right? You know, we sort of take it for granted how good Apple's in-app purchase system is. We do trust it. We don't even think about it. No one thinks about it. No one says, I've never heard anyone say, yeah, I don't want to make one of those in-app purchases because, because I don't trust the, I don't trust it. Like no one, that's not even a thing. Making that happen didn't just happen. Apple spent expertise, time, resources to make it happen. And Apple is correct. Spotify apparently wants to benefit from that while not having to contribute to the ecosystem that provides for it. And that is true. But at the same time, Spotify has this 30% tax that it has to pay. It is an interesting aspect of Apple's walled garden. It is an interesting aspect of Apple's entire ecosystem, Gene, and I don't know what the solution is. I would say that Spotify right now is banking on European regulators, basically forcing Apple to not charge competitors the 30% when they're competing with them. That, 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 that's my guess at this point.
1: I suppose Apple can compromise and say 15% the first year. each additional year, but then every developer who has to pay 30% is going to complain. So Apple has to treat everybody equally. Spotify, therefore, is asking for special treatment. They are, and this is
20: exacerbated, Gene, by the fact that Spotify's business model doesn't earn money. Like, Spotify loses money on every customer, and then they want to make it up in volume. (laughs) And, And so, like, to a certain extent one could also say that spotify has this losing business model and is just looking for scapegoats that's a valid argument to be made too and it's interesting to see apple strike back in this public and specific and aggressive way and it's also interesting to see spotify taking its uh, its fight to uh the court of public opinion and like i say we know that spotify is taking its arguments to european regulators U.S. regulators in general don't really care. They're not interested in this particular fight. So uh, Europe is probably, and and Spotify is based in Europe. That's that's actually part of the issue. So I I don't know where it's going to go. I do know that everything that Apple said was true, but it's not the whole story. Apple did not negate the fact that it does not have this 30% advantage over Spotify.
1: Well... We'll see how this one plays out, whether the European regulators have time to figure this out. More to come on the Tech Night out Live.
8: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
18: USA Radio News with Wendy King.
0: Another shooting at a place of worship. Police in Poway, California, close to San Diego, say a gunman identified as John Ernest opened fire at a synagogue, killing one person and wounding three others. San Diego Police Chief Bill Gore says he may have been involved with another crime as well.
13: We're currently working with the Escondido Police Department and the FBI to determine Ernst's possible involvement in the arson at the mosque in Escondido about a month ago.
0: Authorities say they're aware of an anti-Jewish online post that someone identifying themselves as Ernest wrote about an hour before the attack. There was also praise for those who were behind other recent hate crimes in Pittsburgh. A vigil to honor a deadly synagogue shooting there exactly six months ago also paid tribute to the victims of the Poway attack. This is USA Radio News.
19: Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first-class tickets.
4: 800-871-3291. 800-871-3291. Again, that's
11: 800-871-3291. Eating, working, living pain-free. These are things many of us take for granted. But for many adults with disabilities who are elderly or have serious medical issues, dental care is simply unaffordable. Dental Lifeline Network is looking for dentists who can change this. DLN is asking dentists and their teams to volunteer to just see one of the many patients in need. You can literally change a life. When you volunteer with DLN's donated dental services program to C1, you treat a pre-qualified patient in your office at your convenience. We handle the details so you can focus on the care. Lack of dental care can lead to the inability to have life-saving surgery, eat or contribute to our community. If you are a dentist or know a dentist, please share this message. Will You See One? Visit willyouseeone.org to help change one life in your community today. You're listening to The Tech
15: Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
1: I'm checking off the boxes here as we go along, you know, as we go along to many thousands and millions of topics here. I have a topic for you. Give me one. Do you remember how long you've been doing this, Gene? How long you've been doing the Tech Night Owl?
20: Since 2002. 2002. So, and we've been publishing the Mac Observer since 1998, the end of 1998. And we just recently celebrated our 20th anniversary, as a matter of fact. And uh, my point is... Do you remember back in the day when you know a big part of our job was to find something anything that someone anyone said about Apple that was part of our skill set was being able to find news about Apple and, you know and here we are all these years later and despite Apple having a ridiculously small product line compared to a company you know even a hundredth of its size there is no shortage of Apple news these
1: days. Well, of course, they're also busy here with Apple saying it's going to go out of business because iPhone sales are down. Oh, my God. It doesn't work anymore.
20: Uh, it's been about a year and a half since we had an entry into the Apple death knell counter where someone specifically said that Apple is going to die. Very few people say that anymore, Gene, but, but people certainly do talk about, you know, how the end of the iPhone or the iPhone killer or, you know, iPhones, the iPhone era is over, things like that. But few people actually have the gumption to predict <laughs> Apple's actual downfall.
1: Maybe they predict a long, slow death. I was looking at something here just hit me because mm-hmm. there's so much debate about voting systems alleged voter fraud and we all know about this thing in north carolina where there was voter fraud and they have to redo an election a congressional election yeah article here from your associate editor andrew Orr, who's been on the show darpa builds open source voting system oh that's good right
20: tell me more well so darpa is the defense what does darpa stand for Let's get the actual, like, you know, it's got its own, it has its own uh, uh, meaning essentially. Oh, it's the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Like the internet started off as a DARPA project. A lot of self-driving cars started off with DARPA funding. You know, DARPA funds a lot of research, a lot of R&D projects, uh, a lot of real speculative things. Uh, So the idea here is that, They're building a $10 million open source voting system to ensure that elections can't be manipulated, and that's all via Motherboard Magazine. Uh, So it would essentially be open source voting, and I love this idea. I do not like the idea of proprietary voting systems, proprietary voting machines, because if it's proprietary, that means that part or all of it can be secret. And that means that we can't keep an eye on exactly what's going on. So I, I greet this news with open arms. I hope that something comes out of it and that it will lead to open source voting machines that are poured over by a large community of... Uh, developers and, and, and hackers and and, and experts uh, so that we truly can have a system that we can have confidence in and that it's used everywhere in the world or other places in the world at the very
1: least. That'd be great. Okay. Just interesting here. It's a software platform, which means it could conceivably work on existing voting machines. Uh, Yeah, maybe. Uh, i would imagine that would depend in great part
20: on what those voting machines have like you know exactly what their specs are and that sort of thing but it could certainly be adopted by multiple vendors so you would at least have competition on the hardware side and 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 that's a good thing but having the software be fully vetted by the open source world that to me is a good thing potentially a good thing at the very least
1: but in other ways it'd be like windows where you have a single software platform in this case open source that's available to be licensed by any company building a voting machine
20: well if it's truly open open source yeah i wouldn't really i don't even know if it'd be licensed i would imagine what they would do is they would they would make the license such that it could be used as long as it's not altered and or that it, as long as it meets a certain certain set of criteria, there are a variety of licensing models already out there that would that would make the make this sort of thing actually work and, and, and be safe. Open source
1: voting platform. I'd say the way the politicians work in this country it may be adopted overseas, but I think in the United States, write this down. OK, and you could say. I lost the bet. One dollar. I'll bet one dollar. Just as they did in the movie Trading Places. Remember that? Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy. One dollar. That it will never turn up in any voting machine in the U.S. In my lifetime, perhaps your lifetime.
20: Uh, Overseas, I maybe. I will I will take that bet. And I, I call it a sucker's bet. I think it would be adopted by... Um, a variety of of states especially if it'll save the money but especially if it's safe safe and secure
1: well i'd be happy if it does open source voting machine software but you have to get a copy of your vote it's got to be easy for you to know when you place a vote paper are you voting for have a paper trail but you see the paper trail can be altered sure in other words what i'm saying is the paper trail shows you voted for mr jones for congress but the machine says you voted for Mister Smith. Well, that's why you have the paper trail. So that but the paper trail—how of- do you know the paper trail reflects accurately what you selected on the screen? Theoretically, you would check over it before you turn it on. Okay, but it doesn't stop the machine from picking something else and not including it on. But that's the point of the paper trail.
20: So that the paper trail can be the paper trail can be compared to what the electronic system
1: said. That's the entire point. All right. We have the bet. I'd be happy we have the bet. to lose. A this dollar. is a bet I'd like to lose, you know? You'll win it if this
20: if this ends up not resulting in a shipping system. If it results in a shipping system, right? If, if a fully open source voting system ships out of this project, I, I, you'll lose the
1: bet because it'll be adopted in the states. At least some states. Happy to see it. Now, there's an interesting piece written by another author at Mac Observer. And that is, let's raise it, choosing the Mac Mini over the iMac. Mm-hmm. Other than having something where you can buy your own display, why would you do it?
20: Well, um, so Charlotte Henry uh, went back and forth. Um, over what kind of new Mac to get? I guess she's working on like a. Uh, she has been working on a 2010 MacBook Pro, and it was certainly on its last legs. And it's astounding that it worked as long as it did. And by the way, I might add that when she bought, she ended up buying a Mac Mini. But to sort of cut to the to the chase, Apple ended up giving her 121 uh, pounds towards her nine-year-old MacBook Pro which is just astounding. It's fantastic. But so she was debating whether or not to get an iMac or uh, a Mac Mini. And I went on one of my trademark rants about paying brand new prices for two-year-old technology and and saying how cranky I was about that, even while also saying that the reality is when you need a new Mac, you should just get a new Mac, uh, you know, wh- where you have the the flexibility to be cranky and whiny about things like i am is when the mac you have works fine you just want a new one you don't have to have it yet so she went back and forth about i, I think it was kelly that actually suggested to her that she consider the mac mini
1: also okay let's break it, it here mac and we'll mac go we'll explain this in the next segment more to come on the tech night Now live
8: For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNLive.com today.
1: As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low cost plans put your sites on high performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer?
21: The reviews for Extendivite are amazing. Here are some from Amazon. September 2018. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I've been using Extendivite for many years now. May 2018. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. March 2018. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. February 2018. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now, and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. Tell us your story. Get Extendivite today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend
14: your life with Extendovite.
22: The Hebo Tea Club's original pure Pau De arco super tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, the Hebo Tea Club's original pure Pau de Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone when fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer, Dehebo Tea Club's Original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at drinksupertea.com or call 818-965-9113. That's drinksupertea.com,
18: 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com. GCNlife.com or call toll free 844-443-6637. That's GCNlife.com or 844-443-6637.
15: Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over ten thousand dollars in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your Your business and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the fresh start program and new laws that may allow. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
1: Brian Chaffin is explaining the back and forth over someone selecting an iMac or a Mac mini especially now that we have a new Mac mini go ahead
20: well and that's it that's it right there so Kelly uh, Gumont in uh, suggesting that she consider the the Mac mini Dave Hamilton also encouraged her to get the, the the Mac mini and so she ended up choosing that because the Mac mini is relatively new technology it was just shipped uh, announced and shipped uh, in the fall of 2018 and uh she realized that she could ha- a good quality 4k display and a mac mini for less than it would cost to buy 2017 technology with a 5k display on an imac she probably made the, the the absolute best decision for her personally i'm gonna wait for another imac and maybe even wait for the imac pro to be updated and may even wait for the mac pro to be updated but you know th- these are subjective choices for all of us
1: Well, I kind of think here as you do that the WWDC in June will answer a lot of our questions. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. How many years in we have the Apple Watch now? And you're the watch expert here. Let's see. Uh, So it's the Apple Watch 4. So we've had it for four years, right? Four years into the Apple Watch. Apple doesn't release sales, but supposedly the number one smart watch in the world. Number one, what? With the bullet, number one, number one. Okay. Number one, smartwatch in the world. Watch watch the number one, watch in the world too. Yeah. Okay. So look at where it came. This is the product by the way that they said it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. I see people in convenience stores with an Apple watch and I wonder, wait a minute, you're getting a little above minimum wage. You're talking about a product that's three ninety nine or four ninety nine or something. How do you pay for it? Do you get it as a gift, or do you get last year's model? You, know, you get last year's model, which you save hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Even then, I mean, it's almost a week's salary. That's true. That's true. I, you know, I, 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 I don't think I
20: have any answers there. I don't know how they're doing
1: it. But consider this: Apple has this special, special reputation. And that's what does it. This product is the in thing. You're going to be in the in crowd. But it also works. It's a really good
20: device. I don't think Apple Watch succeeded because of Apple's name. I think it, it succeeded
1: because of Apple's expertise and skills. Well, certainly the emphasis on health is very important. I think that was a factor in the fact that maybe it took a little while before Apple found its direction. They tried to sell it as a piece of jewelry. And it ended up though, no, that's not a piece of jewelry. Well, you know, Jane, I I would argue that that
20: was a necessary step in the process. Okay, for instance, do you remember the the gold Apple Watch Edition, right, $10,000? Yes, all four people bought it. Exactly. That wasn't its point. The Apple Watch Edition did not exist to be sold. It existed to set the terms of perception. And from that standpoint, Apple Watch Edition was fabulously successful, not commercially, but philosophically. It set the terms of perception that this is not just nerdware, that, that the Apple Watch is not just a wearable computer the apple watch is instead a fashion choice it's a fashion statement it's something that can look good on your wrist it's something that you can spend a lot of money on right and and from that standpoint i call apple watch edition successful and i think that those who do think about it i take that utterly for granted and and don't think about like how apple was suddenly able to compete with apple watch in terms of fashion and style where that was never part of the discussion for any of the wearable wrist-based computing devices the pebble the the, i don't know they're a host of them i can't even remember them now right can't
1: even remember now because they're all gone it's interesting man
20: it's really interesting
1: to me of course that particular watch had a finite lifetime in a sense that it had the first generation of software apple never updated it
20: yeah i i said at the time i did i the, there are people who the, for whom ten thousand dollars for a watch is nothing and if a very fabulously wealthy person came up to me and said should i have gotten the should i get this apple watch edition this i'm talking back four years ago when it was announced i would say no because it's you know unlike the 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 twenty thousand dollar paddock philippe or the Patek Philippe that you might buy, that'll be worth $50,000 or $60,000 in in a few years, right? The Apple Watch Edition is only going to go down in value because it it won't be updatable. Again, though, that wasn't its point. Its point was to set the terms of perception.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. In my hands now, my greasy hands, no, it's on my wrist. In my greasy wrists, there's a Walmart watch. That cost me twelve eighty-eight. What, three or four years ago? I've replaced the battery twice, which at Walmart, done by that low-paid employee, for less than six dollars. Mm-hmm. It still tells time mostly accurately.
20: It's a it's a it's a battery-driven quartz watch. See, I mean, this should tell time precisely. I mean, it's very accurate. Your cheapest quartz watch on the planet is, is is more accurate than the most expensive mechanical
1: watch. Well, this seems to be a little bit off. So there's some issue going on there. It, is it a digital watch or a quartz watch. Let's see what it says. Well, does it have a does it have a ticking? Does it have hands or does it's it? It's quartz. It's a quartz watch. It can take what ten feet submersion or something like that. It's dunk proof to a limited degree.
20: Yeah, it should still be accurate.
1: Quartz watches
20: are just their very nature. This, the science of court's watches is it, its they they It should still be accurate.
1: If it's not, then
20: you probably have a have a
1: defective watch. After all these years, it's so it's accurate enough that it doesn't really matter. You know, it's cheap. It's cheap to upkeep. I don't have to worry about some feature being obsolete or software update, or having to mate with a smartphone. I just put it on and go about my business. I understand I'm missing out on all those great features. At my advanced age, an ECG would be nice. Maybe some rich relative will get me a gift.
20: For the Fall protection, that's what you need, Gene. You need fall protection. Fall Um, words, I should say.
1: I'm falling and I can't get up. Exactly. Brian Chaffin, please tell our listeners, before they fall asleep, I'm kidding, before they fall on the floor, where can we find more of your stuff?
20: I am the editor-in-chief of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. I'm also the host of the Apple Context Machine, a weekly podcast about Apple, which you can find at
1: on iTunes, and you can
20: also find it at MacObserver.com.
1: It covers a lot. You can find us on Twitter if you look for Tech Night Owl. Look for Gene Steinberg on Facebook, the guy with the plaid shirt. That shirt never disappears. Still have that shirt, by the way. Haven't worn it in a few years. And, you know, I might do this. I did this a long time ago where I took a picture of myself in 1965 and then 1975 so you could see the difference. Now, maybe I'll take a picture from, what, 1995 and you'll see what I look like in 2019 and start screaming best way to support the tech night Owl live seriously you <laughs> see i'm just letting that drop the best way to support the tech night Owl live is to become a member of tech night out plus go to plus.technightout.com for more information owl.com for prices beginning at just a dollar 49 a week you can download a version of this show free of the network ads with better quality audio you can't beat that and you can get a monthly subscription, annual, five years, or lifetime. And we're now in the fifth year of this service, so it's going to be around for a while. Some people think I have a picture in the closet getting older. technightowl.com. Brian Chaffin, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me, Gene.
10: The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time,
5: same bad channel.